and welcome fellow lighting nerds and friends to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast, powered by the Lighting Showroom Association and hosted by yours truly, Lisa Bartlett. Thank you for joining me again this week. I um, just super love <laughs> recording these episodes, even though um, sometimes it's a bit of a, a challenge uh, this is gonna. By the time this goes up, this will be episode number sixty-six of the Light Files. So sixty-six weeks of um, just edge of the seat lighting industry content. I know is what you're all thinking, but <laughs> in all seriousness, it's been just a real joy to produce these podcasts. And I know. Uh, If you listen to a lot of podcasts, this podcast is not all glossy and fluffy like some of them are um, because I am recording this in my home office (laughs) and you get what you're able to get that I can put together on my own. So um, I do recognize this maybe isn't the most highly produced podcast you listen to, but I certainly appreciate you taking 20 minutes out of your week every week to listen to the podcast and uh, join the Facebook group for the podcast, the uh, Illu- Illumin- the Lighting Illuminati. Um, just search for the Light Files podcast on Facebook and you'll find the group. And I uh, love to engage with listeners of the podcast and to get your uh, feedback on topics and things that I'm uh, discussing here. I think it makes for a better community and it allows me to do this job better Um, than I would without you. So please do join the conversation. Um, If you're not a member of the Lighting Showroom Association, please consider joining. Um, It is an excellent organization. I'm very proud of it. We have some very exciting things coming that you're going to want to be in on the ground floor of. Um, So stay tuned for that. I will discuss more in the future. Um, this week I'm going to talk about, it is a tricky topic. I'm going to try to do this with some grace, um, and not get myself in trouble basically. Um, (laughs) so I'm going to only speak in generic terms of specific numbers, but I would really like to discuss this week on light files, the margin question. And if you own or operate or manage a independent lighting showroom, you know exactly what I'm talking about just by my saying the word margin. (laughs) And that's sort of um, sad. (laughs) Um, I would love to talk about margins um, the way they talk about them on Shark Tank. Y'all, I don't know, sometimes if you um, if you watch Shark Tank, I go, oh my God, I have absolutely gotten into the wrong business. The margins these people talk about are crazy, uh, crazy good, and oh my gosh, what's wrong with my business that my margins are nowhere near that? <laughs> and um, I do have to uh, think as showrooms, we do have to give ourselves some grace when it comes to that because a lot of the margin question is quite literally out of our hands. Um, we are in a position where we cannot reasonably charge more for a product that a consumer can find a million other places on the internet for a lower price. That is a sell, a sale that will never happen (laughs) Um, unless you just find somebody who has not yet discovered online shopping 
there's just no way that this works in our modern world. And I think all showrooms have come to accept that, but it does not make it any easier to run our businesses. And I believe the question of decreased margins, again, I don't want to specifically say what our margins are in our industry, I will just say they are significantly reduced from what they were five to 10 years ago. And everyone uh, who is an insider in the industry knows what the current standard for margins is. And if you have been in the industry for even a shorter time as I have um, going on 15 years, you know what margins used to be. And I'm not trying to get back to the good old days of, you know, X, Y, Z. I'm fully on board with moving on and times have changed. I just think we lose sight of how this industry was structured and it was structured in times where pricing and margins were very, very different than they are now. And I think the issue and the heartache frequently comes back to the finger, proverbial finger, being pointed at showrooms and saying, you need to try harder. It's not our fault we made this change in our margins. It's not our fault that online exists, uh, online shopping happens. It's not our fault that Wayfair and Jossam Maine and Amazon and whoever else sort of require that we sell goods in this, you know, sweet spot of prices. It's not our fault, showrooms. You just have to get on the train and figure out how to make it work. This is infuriating for those of us who own lighting showrooms. Um, I get it. Like, we're all moving forward with the times. Online shopping is here to stay. Y'all, anyone who knows me knows I'm as big of an online shopper as you'll find, especially for um, things that uh, add time to my day because I find myself frequently short of time (laughs) between my volunteer um, work for the LSA, the podcast, family, Um, it's just a a fact of life, right? So we are all looking in our individual lives for that advantage of getting some extra time. So I'm not knocking that online shopping exists. Would I ever do it for a purchase, a large purchase for home goods for my home? No, I wouldn't. I'm still a brick and mortar girl. Um, probably because I own a brick and mortar business (laughs) and I recognize the value that brick and mortar businesses and the expert teams that they employ. I recognize the value that that brings to my purchase and I'm willing to pay retail price to get that service and to get that knowledge. I don't need a discount. It's worth it to me to know that I'm getting a full experience. So If only every consumer was like me (laughs) that came into my store that was willing to pay the price on the price tag and everybody just went on about their days. So would the margin question still be a question? Yes, it would. However, it would not have near as much of an impact if everyone just paid that price that was hanging on the price tag, but they don't. So this is where the lack of... mm, the blinders maybe to how our industry is set up becomes such a problem because 
I believe everyone in our industry understands that when we are working with builders and contractors and designers, a discount for their loyalty, for their continued purchases, for their volume, a discount is given to those consumers. And that's fine. I actually am really good with that that setup as a business. Like I enjoy having purchasing power with my manufacturers and I appreciate a customer that has purchasing power with me. That customer is important to me. It's they're so important to me that I want to make sure that they are satisfied in every possible way with the product and services that I'm offering them. And, down to including the pricing that they are receiving. I'm good with it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the relationships that me and my staff have with our best customers. It is what gets me out of bed every morning and gets me excited to go to work because there's a wonderful group of people that I work with and I love it. And it it just truly makes my day every day. So that's all well and good. But we seem to have lost sight that this is a thing in our industry. And I know it's not just lighting. I know it exists in plumbing and other, uh, you know, countertops or whatever. I know it's not just lighting that this exists in. And obviously I can't speak to the margins of sale in those other industries because I don't know anything about them. But I assume there are similar issues at play. But I don't know why we act like this discounting thing isn't standard practice. Like, why do we pretend? (laughs) Because I think we all know that manufacturers, just like I was describing my relationship with my best customers, that I'm happy to give a discount to. When you, showroom A, become a top-tier customer with manufacturer B, manufacturer B gives showroom A a discount on their purchases. And I think that's great that showing these businesses are important to one another and they are trying to mutually support each other. Great. I think the challenge becomes many lighting showrooms are small. Many lighting showrooms carry an abundance of lines. So there is just a lot of... um, like tricky background to how our industry operates that really calls this margin question to the forefront of how our businesses operate. And I just think we've done a really bad job adjusting. Showrooms, I think, maybe need to take a harder look at the manufacturers they work with and figure out how they become more important to manufacturers whose business and types of products are important. Like support the manufacturers whose products sell through your store and really concentrate your dollars there, I think has been a real key for my showroom. Um, But I even think in my own showroom, I'm slower than I should be to adjust, especially when it starts to become clear that a manufacturer that I've put a lot of time and energy into um, isn't quite giving back to me in the way that I need. And this is hard in any part of life, right? Like relationships, family, whatever. If you've invested a lot of time and energy into something, you you know, the, the sunk costs, you do, it's really hard to walk away from it. But um, 
on a LSA board call recently, uh, Kirsten told us that the biggest thing she learned from the recent uh, arts conference was this refocus on the necessity for all of us in business to give up tasks and things and processes that aren't making you money. And I think we really all need to take a hard look at the partnerships that do not benefit us in terms of margin and opportunity and sales. And we just need to identify these things quicker and react to them. And I have to say, a lot of what I'm saying in this this episode is coming from just literal years of frustration as a showroom. Like I have been told, and I used to believe it, <laughs> I have been told countless times that if I'm going to succeed as a, the owner of a brick and mortar lighting showroom, that I need to evolve my business, that I need to expand the categories that I um, display, that I sell through my store, that I need to reinvent my business to be more up with the times, um, and that this will solve all of my problems if I do this. But you know what? I have expanded the categories in my business. I have expanded all of the ways that I sell. I have expanded my customer base. I have expanded how I distribute product. I have done all of these things, but I'm telling you one thing, the margin question remains. It has not gone away. I was not able to wish it away by selling more through a Shopify website. The margin issue remains. And it is a frustration that we own these businesses, you're so passionate, you're trying so hard, and you're spinning your wheels, or you feel like you're spinning your wheels, you know, in frustration sometimes, and you just keep, like, keep running up the same brick wall of the fact that the margins are static. <laughs> and that to stay in business, I have to do this and that and the other thing. And there's no way, no real way to increase my bottom line in a, in a, in a big sense. It's all just incremental. And that is frustrating. And I don't mean to complain about it too much, although I am. <laughs> I really don't want to complain so much as I really want manufacturers to understand this and to think, how can I help? What can my business do to help? And here's where I think I've landed that there's no like magic pill to answer to this margin question. Like um, raising IMAP prices or UMRPs would be a start. And that would be like a big, broad way to do this. That would be really, real, really tremendous. And I believe I've said it before and I'll say it again. I believe it is necessary and I believe it should happen. I believe it didn't happen in the past because people were concerned about consumers absorbing this extra expense in this industry. Like customers just won't be willing to pay those prices. Well, they have been paying those prices. They are willing to pay those prices. So now is the time to increase those IMAPs, increase those UMRPs. And that right there will ease a lot of this frustration from showrooms and, you know, give us a, at least a small fraction of wiggle room. Now, 
the increases that you all know I'm talking about in IMAPs certainly doesn't put us back to where margins used to be, you know, five, 10 years ago, um, more like 10 years ago, but it heads us down a better path. And then we can spend time thinking about what manufacturers can do to help in incremental ways to bring back margins for it's going to have to be this way, your best customers. So what can you do in terms of freight policies and freight terms? What can you do in terms of inside discounts or discounts on volume? What can you do to reduce or waive fees? Man, getting nickel and dimed by some fees really drives me bananas, especially by manufacturers that I do a more than fair share of business with. Getting a fee tacked on to uh, a purchase order because somebody had to take 30 seconds and type in a new address drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Now, if I ordered from said manufacturer three times a year and they added a fee on, all right, I'm not happy about it, but I'll do it. It's the ones where they're getting orders from me, you know, weekly or multiple times a week that when you nickel and dime me with fees, it just makes me want to scream. And honestly, it absolutely makes me want to look other places to spend my money because I don't believe that is in my best interest as your customer. And I find it very frustrating. Another thing that uh, could incrementally help showrooms in terms, you know, outside of uh, freight discounts on volume reduction or waiving fees is a more flexible return policy. We've become so rigid with these things and I'm just want to set aside all the reasons for the rigidity right now. Like let's just set that aside. But this rigidity has kind of tied the hands of a lot of distrib- distribution and kind of put it in this mindset of, Things are the way they are. We must, you know, do this this way. So I would challenge manufacturers to think about how some of these policies, like return policies, have only served to reinforce rigidity in our industry, as opposed to encouraging uh, sorry distributors, brick and mortars particularly, to be more agile. Think about that. Think about how your terms of sale as a manufacturer has encouraged your customers to be very narrow-minded and focused and rigid in how they operate their businesses as opposed to encouraging them to be more agile and to move with the times and to understand that the way we do business now can't be the same as it was then and how we can find uh, incremental ways to improve how our businesses operate. Allow us a little more freedom to get to where we need to be as distributors. And I think you will see it only benefits all of us. I think it can be, I mean, I run into this, my business too, right? I get so where I think, well, if every customer did this, with their purchases, I would be run out of business. So I'm gonna make a rule that you can't do that because I don't wanna get run out of business. But I think what we need to do is to really understand that you know the people that are abusive of these policies are few and far between generally and also kind of easy to identify. (laughs) A A lot of times it's kind of easy to identify the people that are going to become your quote unquote problem customers. I expect similar is true 
of the manufacturer showroom relationship. And this is why you have sales agents, right? To help suss some of these issues out and figure out where your challenges might lie in your partnerships. And I think that's great. I think that's a great role that a sales agent should be filling. And they should be the advocate, not only of their manufacturer employer, but of the showrooms that they serve and help bridge this gap of filling in all the bits and pieces that a manufacturer might need to know in order to feel more comfortable and allowing these incremental policy changes that would help make that customer a better customer and a more important customer and maybe increase them from a C-level customer to a B-level customer and maybe even an A-level customer given enough time and encouragement and um, I'll say it again, margins. (laughs) I just think... There's so much we could be doing together to make all of our businesses thrive in the long run. And I think we've become so locked in to some of these ideas that currently exist and we don't need to be. Uh, IMAPs do not need to be what they are right now. You all all remember as well as I do when IMAPs were first a thing, they were one number and then that number reduced and changed over time. But there's no law that says they have to stay that way. Some manufacturers have reversed some of their IMAP policies and gone back to kind of how they were originally. I don't see that change hurting them. Um, I don't expect it would hurt any of us. I actually only think it helps. It helps showrooms. I think it helps the manufacturers. It helps um, keep all pricing up and it helps brick and mortars um, do what they need to do to run successful businesses. And then once we have that resolved, let's think collectively about these incremental changes that we could make to, we can't in mass bring back all that margin, but what incremental changes are we not making that if we did and added, tallied it all up would further support the margins of showrooms. And let's not just always turn to showrooms and say, what are you doing? Let's all look at ourselves and think, what could we all be doing better to support one another? Because as we all know, this industry is a family and what could we all be doing to support one another better instead of alienating and put this party against that one? How do we come together and fix this issue because it is the biggest issue in an independent lighting showroom. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Can't wait to hear your feedback on this one. Everyone take care.